I'm going to uh, read our passage this morning that I'll be preaching from, and then just after that, um, we'll have a video from someone reading a story that goes along with today's passage. Uh, today I'll be reading to you from Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. This is also the same passage of scripture that our elementary school students are studying this week at home with their families. And so if you are um, a caretaker of a child, whether that means you're a parent or an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent, and you are not getting in email or in the mail our Sunday school curriculum, your Sunday school curriculum, let us know so we can get that to you. And uh, what we're doing through Lent is making sure that what I'm preaching from is the same text that the kids will be learning about so that you as caretakers can have additional information to be able to use to teach them. So this is Luke chapter 2, starting, um, what, what did I say, with verse 41. I don't have it marked in this Bible. So each year, his parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to their custom. And after the festival was over, they were returning home. But the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know it, Geo. And supposing that he was among their band of travelers, they journeyed on for a full day while looking for him among their family and friends. And when they didn't find Jesus, they returned to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three more days, they found him in the temple. He was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and putting questions to them. And everyone who heard him was amazed by his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were shocked. His mother said, Child, why have you treated us like this? Listen, your father and I have been worried. We've been looking all over for you. And Jesus replied, Why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he was saying to them. Jesus went down to Nazareth with them, Nazareth with them, and was obedient to them. And his mother cherished every word in her heart. Jesus matured in wisdom and in years, and in favor with God and with the people. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God, and may God give us wisdom and courage for interpretation, and may God give us wisdom and courage to apply the truth of this scripture to our lives. Amen. Watch this video with us. When Jesus was 12 years old, he was traveling with his parents. They became separated after the Passover festival. Jesus' parents searched for him for several days. They were worried and anxious because they loved their son, Jesus, very much. He was their treasure. When Mary and Joseph finally found Jesus, he was sitting in the temple talking to the teachers and asking them questions. Mary was probably frustrated when she asked, Why have you treated us like this? She wanted Jesus to be safe, always. Jesus treasured his parents, but Jesus also had another treasure. He liked to be in the temple talking about God. He called God his father. Of course, we know Jesus would spend his whole life talking about God and teaching others about God's life. 
But Mary and Joseph did not understand this at the time. Sometimes parents and children do not understand each other's treasure. That is okay. It happens a lot. But Jesus and his parents figured it out together. Jesus followed their directions and went home to Nazareth with them. Mary took Jesus' thoughts very seriously, even though they were mysterious. That's what we do for each other when we love each other. We take each other seriously, even if we don't understand or, some, or even sometimes agree. The key to sticking together, even when people do not understand one another, is curiosity. Curiosity helps us remain open to each other and respect each other. But if it doesn't work, but it doesn't work very well unless everyone is curious. Grown-ups have to start because they are older with more experience. They show curiosity about their children's ideas. Children can be curious too. They ask questions and try to learn about their parents' ideas. When everyone is curious, we learn about each other's treasures and understand one another a little bit more. Thanks, Isaac, for uh, reading that story for us and giving a bit of an example of what the story is about. I'm going to take a different angle on it this morning so that those of us who have kids at home and are teaching them will hear what Isaac had to read to us and then also have some information that I'll be sharing as we talk with our students. And the thing is, the curriculum that we send out to our kids, uh, it's not just for kids. It's like there's enough, enough depth to it that any of us uh, regardless of our years in Christianity or spiritual maturity, can get a whole lot out of it. So um, I hope that that is helpful, and I hope that what I'm going to say this morning is helpful to all of us as well. There's this um, idea about being lost that is, well, it's not an idea. There's an idea that we have been lost, right? Like, have, has anybody ever been lost? I got lost the first time that I remember being lost was at Disneyland when I was uh, like somewhere kindergarten, first grade. My, my mom used to dress my brother and I similarly, not similarly, exactly the same when uh, we would go places that were busy and we looked enough alike that uh, I didn't know why she would do it. And I think, I think maybe if I asked her, it would be like, oh, it was cute to dress you guys the same. But on this particular occasion, it turned out to be uh, what I felt like a lifesaver. So, you know, I was, uh, my brother is about three years older than I am, and my dad and my brother decided that they were going to go to the restroom, and, and they asked me if I wanted to go with them. We're at Disneyland. It's packed. It's crowded. And I said, no, I'm fine. And then uh, I decided that I did want to go with them. And the way I remember, I didn't say anything to my mom or anybody. I just took off to follow them. Well, people got between us, there was distance between us and people got between us and I couldn't see over the adults. And when I got to the clearing, I couldn't see my brother or my dad anymore. And I turned around and I couldn't find my mom anymore. And I freaked out. And they had told me, if you get lost, find somebody who works at Disneyland and tell them you're lost, which is pretty trusting of the people who work at Disneyland. And so I found somebody who was sweeping and I went and told him, hey, I'm lost. And he uh, stood up on a bench and kind of looked around, and I guess he was looking for parents who were freaking out. And uh, he, then he got me on the bench, and he said, stay right here, don't move. And he walked to where my parents were, and he walked up to my mom and dad, and he said, are you looking for a little boy who's dressed just like this one? And they said, yeah. And they said, he goes, follow me. 
and I was found. I was lost, then I was found. I remember another time being lost. I was in my early 20s, and my brother and I were elk hunting, and I am what they call a bugle chaser when I'm elk hunting. I, I, I will, I will just, if I hear an elk bugling, I go, and I, I lose track of where I'm at, I lose track of time, I lose track of how far I've walked, I just go, like, uh, it's kind of a run and gun style of hunting, and, and we were chasing bugles, and uh, we were on our way back to where we had parked, and I looked down, and I saw some boot prints in the sand, and I was, I, I didn't know where we were, I literally was lost. And I was telling Ryan, I was like, where, are you sure we're going the right way? He's like, come on, idiot. Yes, we're going the right way. You know, you can imagine us being 12 and 15. It was the same kind of interaction. He's like, come on. Yes, we're going the right way. And I was like, I don't know if we're going the right way. And he's like, we're going the right way. And I looked down, Mike, and I saw boot prints in the dirt. And I was like, that's weird. Somebody's walked here before. And he goes, those are your boot prints, stupid. And so I literally looked. I had walked on that same place hours before. It's so disorienting to be lost, to not know where you are, and to think maybe you do. One day, my dad and I were elk hunting, and this time I knew where we were, and he didn't. And we were heading back to the truck. We had walked a long ways and we were heading back and we got to a point where we had to make a decision. Are we going to go left or are we going to go right? And he was wanting to go left and we were parked to the right. And, and I said, dad, that's not the way we need to go. And he was like, yes, it is. And I was like, that is not the way we need to go. That is going exactly the opposite direction from our truck. And he's usually better at this stuff than I am. And he was like, Ross, He had a few choice words to say, and he was like, this is the way our truck is. And I was like, Dad, you're wrong. Like, it's this way. I'm an adult at this time. I wouldn't have, I would have just gone with him when I was little, even if he was wrong. (laughs) And he had a few choice words, and he was like, fine, let's go your way. But if you're wrong, I'm going to be mad. And I was like, you're already mad, dude. Like, I don't know what the difference is. (laughs) But the thing about it was, is I knew where I should be going. And he knew where he should be going, although he was wrong. And I, I, I couldn't really convince him, but I was getting convinced by him. It is so disorienting to literally be lost and not know where you are, but think you might know where you are. It's different than being a little kid in uh, you know, a, a clothing store, a department store or something, and being like, where are my parents? Like, you know they're in the building. You know you're in the building. Eventually, you're going to be found. But when you're lost in the wilderness, it is terrifying. The scariest, one of the scariest moments in my life, oh, Michelle and the girls and I were living in Denver, Colorado, and we went to eat barbecue at this uh, really fun barbecue joint that had a bowling alley in it. You know the one I'm talking about, Stuart? They have concerts and stuff in there also. And we were bowling, and we got we were eating barbecue, which is kind of gross. Like you're sticking your fingers in, in bowling balls, and then you're just eating with your hands. Like, man, you know that was pre-pandemic days. And 
we, we finish and we're getting ready to go and Emery's a toddler and we're like making sure she's got all of her stuff and putting her coat on and putting her hat on her little head and, and we look around and Elise is gone. And so I thought maybe she had wandered off to where the video games were. So I walked over there and she's not there and there was a little upstairs area and I went up there and she wasn't there. And Michelle like goes into the area where the bar is like trying to keep up with Emery and all of our stuff and she's not in there and and, and I'm like, I'm freaking out. And so I go outside and it's on Broadway, uh, in Denver and it's busy. Like it was a busy street and I walk out and she's not on the sidewalk. And so I go to the end of the block and she's not around the corner. And I was like, we lost our kid. Like we lost our kid. Somebody took her. And I was like, I was in pure panic mode and we, I go back in and she comes walking out from behind the bar. She'd been back there and the bartender didn't see her. And I snatched her up and I grabbed her and I was hugging her. And I was still just like, I couldn't, I can't imagine anything scarier. That's what I think of when I think of Joseph and Mary going to Jerusalem for the Passover. It's like being at Disneyland on New Year's Eve. There are people everywhere. And they travel with like a band of people, their friends and their family, and it takes several days. And, and it's different than now. You know, like if, if we were all on a road trip together, I would trust most of you with my kids. But, you know, like I would want to know where they are all the time and who they're with and what they're doing. Back then, it really was a village raised a child. The parents were responsible, but the village raised the child. And so it's not strange that Joseph and Mary thought Jesus was with somebody else. It's strange that they couldn't find him. And I, I can imagine the feeling that they had when they realized he's really not with us. And they go back to Jerusalem and they start retracing their steps Where have we been? Where did we go? And they probably reverse it and they end up at the temple and they see him there. And my guess is they were glad to find him, but they were also angry because why didn't you keep up with everyone? And he says, why didn't you know I was going to be in my father's house? He had been there like what's not said in the text, but but what I know is that he was debating with the Pharisees and the rabbis and the Sadducees who were sitting around there. Because he was asking them questions and they were amazed with his answers. Some, some translations say they were amazed with his questions. So what was happening is the rabbinical thing that will go on between rabbis where one rabbi will ask a question and the other rabbi answers it with a question and that rabbi answers it with a question and that's how the ball bounces back and forth. You're answering questions with questions. The best example of how it works that I ever heard was this guy who was studying to be a rabbi goes into a a synagogue. He's actually a Christian pastor who was studying with rabbis. Goes into a synagogue in Jerusalem. And in this synagogue are some amazing paintings, like world-class, world-renowned art on the walls. And he's looking at them, just blown away by the art that he's seeing. And the rabbi from that synagogue comes walking into the area where the art is, and they start talking. And he says to the rabbi, which of these paintings is your favorite? And the rabbi 
answers the question with a question. Do you have children? The pastor who's studying with rabbis says yes. Why? If he had not thrown the why in at the end, the conversation is over. But he says yes. Why? And the rabbi from that synagogue says, which of them is your favorite? He answered the question. I couldn't choose a favorite, just like you can't choose a favorite of your children. Jesus, as a 12-year-old boy, not yet to have gone through his bar mitzvah, is in the process of doing that already with adults who have been studied, who are incredibly intelligent and and well-educated people, and he's hanging in there with them. The part of this passage that blows me away the most is a reflection back to Jesus' birth. And it comes in verse 51. When Jesus went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, his mother cherished every word in her heart. You may remember that that's one of the phrases that we're told about Mary when she's holding Jesus and the shepherds come in and people start coming in at his birth and they're bringing him gifts and they're singing to him and they're celebrating him. She cherishes all of those things in her heart. We all know that feeling. The memories from our wedding days the day we graduated from high school, the first time we saw our children, maybe the first time you bought a house, like the things that we celebrate, we cherish them in our hearts. You can remember maybe the way things smelled, maybe the way things um, tasted, maybe, maybe the sound, maybe the way the sun felt on your skin. You're cherishing those things in your heart. What this story is about to me is not about Jesus being lost. It's about Mary and Joseph being disoriented. They had forgotten who they were and what their job was and what they were to be doing with Jesus. We know the feeling of being lost, but when we're the most lost, we think we know exactly where we are. Joseph and Mary were completely lost. Jesus reoriented them. During Lent, historically, you know, Lent is an old English word that just means springtime. And, and Christians started celebrating Lent because what would happen is new converts to the faith would essentially go through um, what we call confirmation, like learning the, the basic, deeper kind of theology of our faith, and it would culminate on Easter Sunday when they would be baptized. And that would happen for new converts, and it was such a big deal to them that the people who had been faithful Christians for a while were like, that's a good thing. I think I'm going to start doing that also. And that's how Lent became a, a, a Christian spiritual season for us. My hope is that this Lent, we make space in our lives for Jesus to reorient us. 
I read a poem this week. I, I told you last week a group of friends of mine and I are reading this book, The Word in the Wilderness by Malcolm Geit. He's an Anglican priest in, um, I think he lives in Wales. But this poem that I read on Thursday by the author Holly Ordway is called Maps. Antique maps with curly cues of ink as borders, framing what we know like pages from a book of traveler's tales. Look, here in the margin, tiny ships at sail. No-nonsense maps from family trips, each state traced out in color-coded, numbered highways, a web of roads with labeled city dots, punctuating the route and its slow stories. Now, GPS puts me at the center. It's a Ptolemaic shift in my perspective, pinned where I am, right now, somewhere. I turn and turn to orient myself. I have directions calculated, maps at hand, hopelessly lost till I look up at last. Friends, sometimes the things that are all around us will orient us, will remind us of who it is and who we are that matters most. This Lent, may you not be pinned and with your head down, may you look up and turn, repent, and be reoriented. In the name of our Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen.